break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And we're happy to be back with you here on The Punch-Out on Tuesday, the 13th of April, 2021. Don't forget tomorrow, Wednesday, in addition to our regular Punch-Out at 5 p.m. Eastern, we'll have our patrons-only edition. Go to patreon.com slash breakthroughnews to get access to that episode of The Punch-Out, which will be about the fallout from the elections in Latin America over the past weekend. But here on today's show, we've got plenty for you, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the ongoing fallout from the Fukushima disaster in Japan, how protests are continuing in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, and also, before we get to either of those two important stories, we're going to be talking about Facebook's pro-propaganda policy. Facebook loves to talk about how serious they take digital security and online misinformation and disinformation, so-called. They've been at great pains to show how much zeal they have for fighting, quote-unquote, Russian and Iranian influence operations. So you may or may not be surprised to know that Facebook's policy on breaking Facebook's own rules to promote propaganda are, in fact, cynical and hypocritical, based more on trying to please the U.S. national security state than protecting Facebook users as they claim. Something seen in the full light of the day in new reporting from The Guardian newspaper about how Facebook allowed Juan Orlando Hernandez, president of Honduras, to abuse Facebook rules and how they downplayed concerns of their own employees about the impact of that, despite the fact that Hernandez is well known for his murderous, pro-poverty, pro-environmental destruction types of policies. Starting in 2017, Hernandez and his party, the National Party, began a campaign of using fake Facebook accounts, a very large number of them, to create fake engagements in order to get the posts shared more widely by Facebook's algorithms. It flew under the radar, at least ostensibly, until August of 2018, when one Facebook researcher noted that Joe's account, and Joe, by the way, is how he's known colloquially, was to, quote, The Guardian, Quote, the beneficiary of 90% of all the known Facebook fake engagement received by civic or political pages in Honduras. 90% of all the fake engagement in Honduras was Joe's page. And that over one six-week period in 2018, for example, Hernandez's Facebook posts received likes from 59,100 users, of whom 46,500 were fake. The researcher Sophie Zong then found that, quote, one of the administrators for Hernandez's page was also the administrator for hundreds of the inauthentic pages that were being used solely to boost posts on Hernandez's page. The Guardian also noted that despite the fact that the activity violated Facebook's policy against coordinated inauthentic behavior, exactly what Facebook said it was cracking down on in the wake of Russiagate, that they let the campaign remain in action for over a year until 2019, and that even after they shut it down, the Hernandez team just kept replicating what they were doing. When researchers pointed this out, the response of the company was as follows, quote, Guy Rosen, Facebook's vice president of integrity, referred to the return of the Honduras campaign as a quote-unquote bummer 
and an internal discussion in December of 2019, but emphasized that the company needed to prioritize influence operations that targeted the U.S. or Western Europe or were carried out by Russia or Iran, end quote. A bummer. They needed to prioritize the U.S. and Western Europe or things allegedly being done by Russia or Iran. That says it all right there. Now, Facebook doesn't dispute the factual assertions, but of course they are, in fact, claiming that the narrative is false. But again, they aren't disputing the facts, but they're saying that they dispute how it's laid out. Ultimately, it shows that there's just total hypocrisy at play here. And while every U.S. government report done on the issue of Russian influence has found not one vote was changed due to any of these alleged operations, the consequences of Joe's continued reign have been serious and palpable. The election in 2017 that was mentioned earlier was considered widely fraudulent around the world. Hernandez has passed a range of laws and created new institutions to make congressional oversight of his actions toothless, to make sure the police and military are more under his direct control with no real oversight, to reduce the power of judges and corruption laws. And also on top of all of that, Hernandez has unleashed a reign of terror that has killed dozens of peaceful protesters and an unknown number of social activists, at least 141 between 2014 and 2017 alone. And amongst the death toll of dead social activists included one of the world's most respected environmental activists, Berta Cáceres. Under Joe, poverty rates in Honduras have skyrocketed. As of 2018, 62% of the population lives in poverty and another 38.7% in extreme poverty. The coming of the National Party regime in 2009 tracks very closely with the explosion of violence in the country that has led to a mass exodus out of the country and turned Honduras into the continental murder capital. According to numerous U.S. and Honduran investigations, Hernandez and his family and a huge number of National Party politicians are deeply enmeshed in a web of corruption in league with drug cartels. Hernandez himself has been named in federal indictments in the U.S. of various drug dealers. Yet, despite all of this, he retains total support from the U.S. government. In fact, his party is only in power because the U.S. supported a coup in Honduras in 2009. It shows how closely tied Facebook really is to the U.S. national security state. If you're an official enemy of the U.S., they will turn all their guns in your direction, accusing you of all sorts of things of various degrees of truthfulness. If, however, you're a totally murderous U.S.-backed dictator, you will get special treatment. Seems Facebook is more worried about running afoul of imperialists in Congress and the White House than protecting Facebook users from the depredations of the likes of Joe. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of my black people getting killed. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so damn tired of it, man. We got to change, man. We got to change. The change come now. For all you listening right now, for all you that, that's, that's, that's watching this, know that, that the change is coming. Know that, 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 that revolution is going to come. And that was the voice of an attendee in the second night of protests in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, protesting the murder of Dante Wright, 20 years old, murdered on Sunday by the Brooklyn Center police. Protests continued in a spirited fashion last night after the body camera footage released by the city showed, unsurprisingly, that the murder was clearly unnecessary, combined with an absurd statement from the police themselves about what happened. Wright did have a warrant out for his arrest for missing a court appearance for two misdemeanors. The officers chose to arrest him, and in one moment, he jumps back into the car, seemingly to get away. 
However, the officers are holding him, tussling him. Clearly, he's not about to drive away. The officer who kills him pulls her gun, and while saying she's going to tase him, then goes on to shoot him and, of course, kill him, and afterwards, after the shooting, uses an expletive and say that she shot him. The police department is calling it a quote-unquote accidental discharge and saying that she meant to tase him instead, notwithstanding the fact that there are just great efforts, at least allegedly, taken by the police to distinguish between the two weapons. So they're saying it's an accident, but really makes you wonder how that happens. It's worth noting here, officers knew nothing about him before the stop. I mean, we're only told to think about, well, what happened after it? Was it legitimate? Blah, blah, blah. But they knew nothing about him before the stop. They conducted what's known as a pretextual stop, where you look for anything, no matter how slim, to pull someone over you think is suspicious and hopefully find something. This is the basis of the serious racial bias in police stops, whereas NBC notes, quote, studies have found that black drivers are far more likely to be stopped by police than white drivers are. Not only that, but once they are stopped, black people are searched nearly twice as often as white drivers. And the searches are less likely to yield illegal drugs and other contraband than searches of white drivers, end quote. So black people stopped more often, searched more often, even though it is less likely that if you search a black person's car, you will actually find something. But nevertheless... That's how it works. So honestly, whatever happened in the actual, you know, few seconds of the shooting, the very incident itself is rooted in racism. And you can see that police violence and terror is rooted in racism. But what happens in the video does, in fact, show the truth about policing, that many cops would rather kill you than let you slide on even the most minor of misdemeanors. Undoubtedly, protests will continue, despite the heavy police and National Guard presence, as well as curfews, and despite the strenuous efforts of state officials to ensure, as Attorney General Keith Ellison says, that this thing won't get swept under the rug. Well, we'll just have to see about that. The Japanese government has decided to pump more than a million cubic tons of water laced with radiation into the Pacific Ocean as efforts to contain the fallout from the 2011 nuclear disaster at Fukushima continue to fail to fully contain the harm caused. Tokyo Electric Power, or TEPCO, which runs the plant, has stated that they are running out of storage space for the irradiated water they have and that they have heavily filtered it so it's actually safe to be pumped into the ocean, despite the fact it contains quite a bit of that radioactive element, tritium. TEPCO and the Japanese government are saying, well, hey, look, it's all fine. You don't have to worry. Now, it's worth noting right here, that TEPCO is the same company that chose to say nothing publicly about an internal study in 2000 that predicted what happened in 2011. And by the way, the company ignored that story. But when asked why they didn't even mention the study happening, they said that, quote, announcing information about uncertain risks would create anxiety. Announcing information about uncertain risks would create anxiety. So forgive me if I don't trust them now, because in fact, there are uncertain risks here. Tritium is very common due to nuclear power plants, nuclear weapons testing, and some natural factors. So a certain amount is taken in by almost everyone in the U.S., for instance, on a regular basis. So the handful of studies out there, and everyone recognizes there are not enough, many have decided that the upshot of them is that the risk of certain amounts that are deemed to be small is fine. And that's the logic behind this recent move to pump hundreds of thousands of irradiated gallons of water into the ocean. Of course, as you might expect, there are also some studies that say that tritium may be more dangerous than anyone thinks, but we don't know. And again, this is radiation, so the most logical side effect here is cancer. So it could have a huge effect, but we don't really know. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. 
But despite that being the state of the science, they are just about to pump hundreds of thousands of gallons of it into the Pacific Ocean. Now, one recent study noted that with the strong currents near Fukushima, radioactive materials could spread to most of the Pacific Ocean within 57 days from the date of discharge. And Greenpeace warns that the level of the radioactive isotope carbon-14 in wastewater will remain hazardous for thousands of years with the potential to cause genetic damage. Unsurprisingly, most neighboring countries are opposing this move by Japan and urging them to reconsider. But it appears that the government and TEPCO are determined to go forward. And again, this is the same company and government that ignored every single warning from the mid-1990s about the potential for disaster at Fukushima and now is about to embark on an endeavor of unknown results that could be even more disastrous for the environment. That's going to do it for us here today on The Punch-Out. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in addition to our normal Punch-Out, we will have our patrons-only episodes. So go to patreon.com slash breakthroughnews if you want to get access to that on tomorrow as well. That's going to do it for us here today on The Punch-Out from Breakthrough News. <laughs>